Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. In between the circles. Conley fires a straightaway three. Foul called. Bring it up. Put three on the board. Oh, a four-point play could happen right now as Mike Conley with 34-6 for seven from long range tonight. Off the front of the rim, got his own rebound at the foul line. Here's Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich! got his own rebound right out near the foul line and then delivered it to Bogdanovich, who has scored 31 points. O'Neal. Oh, and Davis, a major rejection. Davis denial. He dragged Royce O'Neal the entire way. Big day for the Utah Jazz yesterday. Big day in the NBA as a whole, Gordon. It was wild yesterday. Uh, But the Jazz signed Bojan Bogdanovic, who was, uh, as you heard the call right there previously, with the Indiana Pacers. And uh, it was kind of an interesting day for the Jazz. They they had their focus on Nikola Mirotic. Uh, Mirotic decided that he was going to go play in Europe, interestingly enough. And the Jazz moved their focus over to Bojan. And uh, they were able to wrap, uh, wrap him up with a four-year deal and uh, this Gordon and and we'll talk about Ed Davis in a moment but uh, this is a really really good fit and he's a really good player he is and uh, the second I heard about it before it happened I thought wow okay that's a good idea and uh, say his name over and over so let me see if you can say his name uh, five times in a row Bojan Bogdanovich. A little faster. Bojan Bogdanovich. Bojan Bogdanovich. Bojan Bogdanovich. Bojan Bogdanovich. Wow, you got it down. <laughs> been, I've been working on it all day. Been <laughs> I'm making sure I got it. The point is the guy flat shoot. I mean, this is a guy who's gotten better in his time in the NBA. And when you get him under the, uh, under the direction of Quinn Snyder, I, I don't think it's going to do anything but get even better than it's been. And when a guy shoots 52% on corner threes, I mean, how often do you think he's going to get those opportunities? And if he doesn't get those opportunities, then guess who's going to be wide open dunking on someone's head in the, at the basket? Well, I'll, uh, I know you're, you're fishing for Rudy, but I'll say Rudy and Donovan. Because it's, it's, how much more open is the lane going to be for him to maneuver and get to the basket? This is a big, big deal. And I know some of our, our listeners might not be that familiar with Bogdanovich. Get used to it, folks, because this guy can flat shoot. But he can do more than that. He can move. He can create. Last year when Oladipo got hurt, who took over the offense of that Pacers team? Bojan Bogdanovich. He sure did. So he can do things beyond just spot up and shoot. He is a gifted offensive player, and the Jazz can utilize that in so many ways. We already talked about the three-point shooting. Now, let's look at what the Jazz have in that starting lineup. You got Bogdanovich. Can he shoot? You got Joe Ingles. Can he shoot? You got Donovan Mitchell. Can he shoot? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. Mike Conley, can he shoot? Yes. And three of those guys can certainly create. So it's more than just spotting up and shooting. It's uh, creating an environment where the Jazz, when they find themselves in pressure situations in the playoffs, if a team decides that it wants to switch defenses left and right and force the Jazz to go one-on-one, guess what? They can go one-on-one. Yep. The Jazz is going to score a bunch of points, folks. This is 
this is interesting. And then they add Ed Davis, too, who can make up for some of the loss of uh, Derek Favors because he is a raw-boned rebounder, man. This guy can go get it. So on Voyan's deal financially, four years, $73 million. Any, any pause there? No. I have not. I think, I no, think that's a, a great deal. I yep. don't. And in today's NBA, man, the numbers are just so mind-boggling that I, I can see why someone might get there. But uh, when you see other players signing deals that are $200 million, I mean, it, it almost turns into Monopoly for right. any money. You know? And if you look at it this way, which is what I like to do, a percentage of the cap, because I think that gives you a little bit better feel because the numbers are ludicrous. I mean, when Greg Ostertag signed his big deal that everybody was all up in arms about, wasn't that like million? Was it like six mil per or something like that? And now we're, we're talking about that's almost a veteran's minimum now. Yeah, well, not quite, but uh, I think uh, you know what I'm getting at. Anyway, so you're looking at right around 16, 17% of your cap. And for a player like that, yeah, this can not, open things up for not you. Not bad at all. And I said, as I said in the past, he's he's had uh, improving seasons. I think under Quinn Snyder, he Quinn Snyder. I've not talked with Quinn since this went down yesterday, but I was tempted to call him because I, I mean, he has got tools now to do things that he's never had the opportunity to do before. He's tried to do some of those things. But, I mean, when you see guys like Ricky Rubio, Jay Crowder, Derek Favors being replaced by Bogdanovich and Mike Conley, and oh, Ricky Rubio in there, uh, uh, Mike Conley and, and the like, holy cow, this is something that uh, the Jazz is going to be good defensively. Uh, they're going to be nearly as good, if not better, offensively. See, I, I do think they took a – maybe you and I differ in opinion here a little bit because uh, I know you talked about this in, the, in your column. I do think they take a step back defensively. I guess the question is how large a step back. See, maybe second in the league to fifth. So not significant. you still got to go through Rudy Gobert to yep. get to the basket. The two places that teams in the NBA want to shoot the ball is at the rim and from the three-point line, and guys are going to struggle to shoot at the rim. Well, and Bojan is not a tradition. He hasn't played a lot of four in his career. He just hasn't. I saw a stat yesterday where he played 12% of the time at four last year. He's, six, he's listed at 6'8", what, 215, 220? Right. Mm-hmm. So he's not a, a large guy. But like I said, some of the things that he can do are unique, uh, things that the Jazz have been lacking in the past. And so I, I don't know. We'll see. With the way Quinn stresses defense, Maybe uh, maybe guys can step it. I think Mike Conley, even though he is 31 years old, I think he is an upgrade at the point guard position as far as defense goes. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I am concerned about Bojan Garden Force, and I realize positionless basketball and leagues changing, and I got it. But he hasn't traditionally played a whole lot at that position, well, and guess, he's going to be asked to. And I, I guess who's going to be standing there when he does get beat? Rudy. No, I got it. I got it, but I mean the Jazz have been the best. I mean they were they were the I know they were ranked second, but they were the best defensive team in the league last year. They got off to a slow start, uh, but when they came on, I mean they were great. They were absolutely great. I'm not so sure that that's the ceiling anymore. I I also think this Gordon, and this is just me spouting. I'm, I haven't talked to anybody about this. I, I wonder if there's another move out there. I I think they would prefer to bring Joe Ingles off the bench if they could find a way to do it. Do you now? I do. 
And the reason for that is because you don't need four shooters on the floor at one time? No, no, no. I think they like that. I, I think that Joe is more suitable to coming off the bench. I think you'd rather have – I think you'd rather be playing Joe 22 to 25 minutes a night as opposed to 30. Thought we, I, th- I thought we saw Joe wear down a little bit, and I think some of those tired legs affected his shooting at times. And, you know, he's now in his, I guess, still early 30s, but he's working up to mid-30s. I think they wouldn't mind having his pop come off the bench either. So who do you think they want to start in his stead? But that's the problem. If they don't add anybody of that caliber or don't think – I mean, we saw Royce O'Neal play some four a little bit last year. Maybe that's something that they would consider. But if you don't have the personnel to, to move Joe to a bench role, then they're not going to do it. I'm just talking about, I think, in an ideal world, they would bring him in with the second unit, slinging, you know, shooting with all those guys, and maybe even closing games, but not necessarily playing you know, 30 to 35 minutes a night. I think that's a little too much for him. But I, I'm just talking about perfect world here. It's going to be, after what Jazz fans have, uh, I don't want to say endured, but have witnessed over the past couple of years where they see Quinn Snyder's offense creating open shot after open shot and seeing on some nights the guys make those. That's how many times that we see the Jazz where they shoot 54% on a night. And you go, wow. And then other nights they'd shoot 37%. Yep. Happened a lot. It's gonna, that percentage is going to stay higher this time around on a consistent basis. And so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that ball you know, just sort of rotate through the air and drop through that net because it's going to happen at a much higher rate than it has in the past. And uh, that's good news because it was the weakness. This addresses the weakness, the major weakness. The two weaknesses the Jazz had were perimeter shooting and ability to create shots now they got both and other teams can't cheat anymore on defense yeah. which i saw donovan mitchell was, night in and night how out. many times did we see donovan mitchell absolutely surrounded by defenders yep and in the playoffs with rudy how often did they cheat uh to stop rudy rolling the rockets did it the whole series so I mean, now if they do that jake guess who's standing over there open for a shot because you can't do that right. to Rudy unless you're committing at least two resources to do it so somebody's open and you can't go under on those picks either because Mike Conley will make you pay yeah so I mean, so we sound I sound you sound we both sound optimistic we don't want to get caught too much up in hype here but we're not the only ones saying this this these moves have been lauded across the league now there are some folks out there who wonder a little bit there always are I think the vast majority of NBA experts are very bullish on the Jazz after these moves that they've made. Like you said, it's not the big moves like what the Nets did, but it's going to be pretty effective. I think we can all see that coming. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And we can get we'll get more into the rest of the NBA and what the Nets did uh, coming up in our in our next segment and talk about it. But the way that this team has been constructed, you can really embrace, right? I mean, even right down, everybody's bummed about losing favors, and I get it. And and he was a great part of the community, and he really embraced playing here. He sacrificed a lot for the team. There's a lot to like about that guy. But the fact that the, that they were even to work it out that they could get a couple of pieces. I know sick and round picks, but yeah. you get a couple of pieces in return on a sign-in trade. I love that fit for him, by the way, yeah. in New Orleans. I think Playing he's going to have an opportunity to to really have a great season uh, next year. Uh, but the way, that it, the way that it happened where you bring in pieces that fit 
as opposed to signing, say, mercenaries, you know, that are going to come in and be your top guys. You know, Rudy and Donovan, that's organic. The Jazz scouted that. I know they didn't draft him technically, but more or less, you know, traded for him essentially on, on draft night. You have developed them. And now you plug in pieces that are complementary to them, not take away from them, but complementary to them. I mean, I think you can really embrace how this team has has come together. Even right back to what we were talking about with with George Niang and Royce O'Neal, a couple of guys that you you grabbed out of nowhere, developed the crap out of, and now are going to come in and play some, uh, in Royce's case, I think he's going to play a real major role for this team. You've always liked him. Yep. And he's going to be counted on to do some pretty important things. Uh especially if he's coming off the bench. I mean, he's going to have to be a real leader on that second unit. Yep, absolutely. And he'll play, I bet you he'll play four different positions this year. (laughs) That's funny to think about, but you're right. You know, and Jake, no one has, I I don't want to use the word complained. I I don't think so much that I was complaining, but I was calling for aggression on the part of the Jazz to step forward and do it. And they, well, you, we can argue whether the timing was exactly right. Could they have done this stuff earlier? Maybe they could. Maybe they couldn't have. But the fact is that when they did strike, they struck effectively. And that, that's yep. what they've got now. And that's sort of what that column is about at sltrib.com if you want to check it out. That the Jazz were patient and that they saw an opportunity and they struck. And I, I, I just don't know. You'd have to be fairly cynical not to be charged up about what the Jazz have done here. I, I don't see the only scenario under which I see any kind of problem for them uh, would be the I word. And I'm not talking about selfishness. I'm talking about injury. And I really don't want to talk about The it. I word? Why would that be selfishness? Because I, there's no... Oh, okay. I and T. You know, the famous silent I, Jake. I, yeah. I, as in me, 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 I, I, I. It's kind of like I, island. It's spelled I-S. Selfishness. No. <laughs> Jake, put the dots together here. I, as in me, being selfish. I know you are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we're getting some uh, we're getting some news in from Adrian Wojnarowski about Jimmy Butler. He's uh, he has a deal uh, sign and trade with the Heat. Uh, it is now a four team trade uh, that includes the Clippers, Philadelphia, and Portland. Everybody in the pool. So this is a part of the Hassan Whiteside uh, deal as well. And so Jimmy Butler going to get a max contract in Miami. And uh, Josh Richardson is uh, part of the deal headed to Philadelphia. So there's a little news uh, coming across the wire. Explain something to me. Okay. When did Jimmy Butler fall in love with Miami? <laughs> I, I don't know, but he did, not make that, uh, he did not make that decision to win rings, did he? Now, I understand there are things to like about Miami, but... I don't think a whole lot of people were talking about that before it happened. No, no, uh, not at all. Well, we heard maybe a rumbling or two on Friday, I want to say, that uh, Miami was in the mix. But uh, no, by no means did it seem like a foregone conclusion. No. Uh, other big deals yesterday. You brought up the Nets a little bit in uh, our first segment, Gordon. They signed uh, Kevin Durant. They also signed Kyrie Irving uh, to close to max free agent deals uh, apparently they both sacrificed a little money so they DeAndre. could also sign deandre jordan so explain something to me will you, you have you been reading these uh stories that 
those two decided they were playing together like a year and a half ago or something? Yeah, Kurt Heelan had that out. I may, some other folks may have had it as well, but that's the first place do I Do you saw. think they knew they wanted to go to the Nets, or do you think that was just an add-on uh, somewhere along the way? See, I, I kind of wonder because you could see this space with the Nets coming yeah. uh, for, for a couple of years now. And then we know the, the close relationship that Rock Nation has with the Brooklyn Nets. And, of course, you, you look at the agents and the, 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 the relationships that they had, and maybe, um, maybe they did know that they were going to Brooklyn. Maybe they, had it, no, they knew, knew it all along. So all this stuff comes down to the wire. Nobody's sure what's going on. And actually, this stuff is not supposed to happen in advance like that. That's the biggest joke in the NBA now, isn't it? Oh, even even more so now that it's just so completely obvious that these teams are in negotiations. I mean, Kimball Walker, he sure worked that deal in a hurry, didn't he, going to the Celtics? I mean... Strange how that happens. <laughs> so, I mean... See, when something has happened like that and everybody knows it, then why even have the facade? You know? Because I guess you have to, because you have to have, you know... I mean, let me let me put it this way. What do you do? Just make it open season all the time? I don't know. I mean, I you have know. to have a, a, some sort of time period established to yeah, do Yeah, but no one's listening. No one's following the rule. Maybe someone is, but not many. Well, and if you are following the rules, you're probably losing out. Uh, yeah, you're probably, uh, and, and maybe that's the that's the reason why they basically just ignore it. So, if those two decided they were going to play together, you cannot tell me that agents were in contact with a couple of options. Make seeing what was there, seeing what they, this had to be going on. I agree. Wink, wink, wink. Keep it quiet. And now, then, boom, it happens. I'm not so sure how good the Nets are going to be, though. One, DeAndre Jordan is way past his prime. I mean, I don't know. Is, is he really uh, a member of a big three of any sort anymore? Is he really good enough to be considered that? And then Kevin Durant, what, what player comes back? He's not going to come back until after next year. And Kyrie Irving, I don't know. I don't see him him being the guy leading a team anywhere. He's never done it before with, uh, you know, LeBron was the leader of those Cleveland teams. They sucked before LeBron got there, and then he just destroyed Boston. I mean, what a, what a joke that was. And so what's going to happen over the next year? Well, Kyrie's going to get beat up a little bit. He's going to try and lead the team. And then, uh, and then Kevin Durant comes in in two years and says, I uh, hope you had a nice run as the leader, but... Uh, Daddy's back. So, so Kyrie Irving is watching the NBA Finals, and he sees Kevin Durant go out on the floor, and next thing you know, he sees a serious injury. What goes through his mind in that moment if all this was foreordained, as it were? Um, Panic? Worry? I, don't know. I don't know about panic. I mean, it didn't really adjust the plan, did it? Well, I, maybe not, but still, it, uh, it would have been a lot better for him had Kevin Durant been ready to go next year right out of the gate. I got it, but I, I think we are also seeing that maybe titles aren't the most important thing in the world to these guys. It, it could be other stuff. Like, it's obvious those two both wanted to play in, uh, in New York, especially Kevin Durant. So if titles are the most important thing, then Kawhi Leonard decides to go to the Lakers again, right? 
Well, if, if the titles were the most important thing to Kevin Durant, he certainly would have stayed in Golden State. Right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what he was thinking or what, why he was making the decisions he was making. But uh, I kind of like that that's the case because it brings some variance to what the landscape looks like. Right, a little and, parody. And it's sort of the antithesis of these guys trying to build super teams because it's an easy title. Well, we'll... I like the parody, too. I'm with you. And now the Kawhi Leonard uh, thing is still out there. Kawhi could take even a couple more days to make up his mind, but it, it seems like the wind is blowing the Lakers' direction. Lakers and Clippers or Raptors, really. That's it, right? Yep. Those are the three in consideration. What, if, what, if the, what if the Lakers don't get him? I mean, there will be major disappointment around that fan base, huh? Well, they'll have to use that money somewhere else to fill out the roster, which actually might not be the worst thing in the world for them. They get two, three players out of that $32 million as opposed to just one. Because, they I mean, they've only got four players under contract right now. So Who's left? And that's, I mean, guys like, I don't know, have we seen Danny Green fall yet? You know, maybe. He's probably sitting back waiting to see what's going to happen. Right, yeah. see exactly what, uh, what goes down. But I think it'd be so good for the parity of the league if he stayed in Toronto. I mean. Kawhi coming west to join the Lakers, but but and Austin and I were talking about this before the show. Here's the thing with Kawhi, he wants the love. He's all about the love. That's what he wanted the whole time. Attention. He wanted he wanted all of that. And where better can you get it than in L.A. with the Lakers playing on a super team? However, I I if I were Kawhi, I wouldn't want to go take a back seat to LeBron. But maybe, maybe that's he, what maybe, he wants. Maybe he wouldn't. Oh, he would. You think? Now, I think he's probably, right now, I think he's a better player than LeBron, but he's not LeBron. He's already won two titles with teams that were not super teams. I mean, well, I guess the Spurs were pretty darn good, but he was the man. He was the MVP in the finals. So maybe he's already put that behind him. And he feels like, okay, look, I've already proved I, I was the MVP, the finals MVP on two different teams already. So... Maybe he's good with whatever uh, comes his way now. You know what will be interesting is if Kawhi goes to the Lakers, how uh, Anthony Davis will react to getting Chris Boshed and Kevin Love. <laughs> I'm not kidding. His numbers are going to go down playing with uh, if, if Kawhi goes there playing with those two guys. Well, there's only one ball. Right, and we've seen exactly what happens. However, LeBron has proved that he can, that he can play, he can get the ball to his teammates. You know, I mean, maybe in crunch time, he and and he, he may say, "Okay, get out of my way now." But especially when you're a big player, when you're a big man, you sort of have to rely on others to get you the ball. Now, Anthony Davis is a, is didn't he play guard? In, in high, high school, school or something. yeah, and then he hit his growth spurt. Yeah. So he can he can handle the ball a little bit. Maybe he can get his own shot a little, but still, he's going. LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands. Right. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. So if he chooses to give it to his to to the big man, then uh, then he's going to score a bunch of points. If he, if uh, Kawhi Leonard is involved in the whole thing, and Kawhi's over there saying, "Hey, man, I don't want to score 17 points a game," then but, then then AD's going to have to. Right. Take his part. He's going to be the one that sacrifices. Watch. Mark my words. 
Because you guys, say LeBron can get get his guys the ball. I don't know if I agree with that. Name uh, name a uh, big man that that got that number. His numbers got better playing with LeBron. Well, let me say it this way. Zedrunas Ilgaskis, maybe. He can. Well, I know, but there have been many times when he hasn't had an option like Anthony Davis standing there. Chris Bosh was an all-star when they went to Miami. Kevin Love was an all-star in Minnesota. But that's still, that's that's the anomaly. Chris Bosh has talked openly about that. How you get the you get the the rings, but you get the shaft too. You are also you're also the the third guy in line. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's certainly capable of passing the ball and setting his teammates up. You yeah. can't say LeBron's not a good passer. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess he's he's from that mold of let the air out of the ball and then. I'll figure out whether I want to be generous enough to give you the ball <laughs> with about four or five seconds left to go. He's from that school. That's why so many players in the NBA, NBA are just dying to play with him, right? Yeah. Well, really. we'll see if Kawhi is. I mean, man, I hope he stays in Toronto. I really do. Uh, anything else uh, real quick jump out at you? I mean, there were so many moves. It would be impossible to go over them in just, just one segment. But yeah, just there, were, there were so many moves. And then the leftovers. And they're, they're fighting for the scraps now, relatively speaking. You know, and so uh, that's that's interesting to me. Uh, some guys sort of got left out. Well, that's how it's always been. There's yeah. there's a hierarchy to the to the whole thing. And actually, I think that's what's uh, smart about the Jazz going out and, and grabbing Bojan when they did wasted really no time about going out there and snagging him, saying we're not worried about the hierarchy. Yeah. We want we want you, and we want it now. The one that that really jumped out at me that I don't think is a really good fit is Al Horford in Philadelphia. What on earth was that all about? Uh, well, that you know, there's a. They go back to Boston, huh? You know, there's a, a center on the the Sixers already. There is, there is somebody he's, there. He's pretty good. I uh, I think. What about the Angelo Russell and uh, Golden State? What do you think of that one? I don't know if it's a very good fit. I mean, they need scoring, but let me let me tell you. So Gordon, you're going to let Steph Curry just float freely and and have D'Angelo Russell handle all the ball I'm guessing uh, you'll see him split a lot of those duties and you'll still see Draymond handle the ball a lot but let me tell you we could grab you me Austin Talon our on-site engineer and uh, anybody else and probably score 100 points on the Golden State Warriors. You think it's going to be that bad? Oh, their defense well, is... Well, D'Angelo Russell isn't exactly anyone's stopper, is he? And no. Steph Curry, that's going to put pressure on him defensively. And all Draymond these- Green's going to be... His head's going to be swiveling, looking all around, going, hey, fellas, have a little help here. All these, all those incredibly useful, versatile defenders like Andre, Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston, yeah, they gone. So... Iguodala's going to end up with the Lakers, isn't he? It, uh, that would not surprise me. He got uh, traded to Memphis, and Memphis is uh, going to buy him out. And so we'll see. There's a, there's a guy you could root to end up with the Jazz, maybe if he's all the way down uh, listening to veteran minimum offers. So when we come back, Jake, let's list the teams that we think are real threats now. I mean, look, we know it's all guessing, and th- these guys, it's all on paper at this point. We don't know the chemistry issues that are either going to work in favor or against certain teams. Well, let's just sort of guess maybe the top three or four teams in each conference and see how, we, how well, that lines up. It starts with the Hornets, and then move <laughs> on to the Cavs. You think Michael Jordan's sitting there going, what am I doing? 
Why am I doing this? Well, yeah. then he looks at the uh, net worth of the franchise and how far that's climbed in the last decade, and then goes, "Oh yeah, no matter, no matter how that's right. run it is." I forgot I own an NBA franchise whose value has skyrocketed. You were a Charlotte guy once. You, you, know, you must look at what's going on there and think, what went wrong? Well, I know uh, bad management. That's what we're giving uh, Nicholas Batum all that money. That's what <laughs> went wrong. Uh, all right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.